Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. I think I probably told him nobody else took him seriously either. So he... <laughs> no, he's, he's a pretty good guy if you can keep him in the word and don't let him tell jokes. Lord help. He was driving us in the truck one day and started telling me something. I was started trying to get the door open. I was going to jump out going down the highway. <laughs> you should never let him on a suicide hotline telling jokes that people would just do themselves in. <laughs> and Brandon Marshall is here. I've got more people to pick on today. Wow. That's awesome. And you have your youth pastor is looks like a Taliban now. <clears throat> I walked in the door and I said Salam alaikum and he <laughs> Hey, I'm not under a time constraint in this service. Right? If the Lord moves, we just move. I, I promise not to do like a fellow did at a friend of mine's church. A couple of weeks ago, he texted me while this guy was up preaching, and he said, have you heard of this guy? And my friend's an associate, and I said, no, I never heard of him. They turned that pulpit over to him at about 11 o'clock, <clears throat> and they didn't get out of there until between 4 and 5 that afternoon. And I'm going to tell you, he talked. For nearly three hours, I promise I won't do that. You know the eleventh commandment, or you know, and they're in the Beatitudes: "Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be invited back." <laughs> That's a very wise counsel. And then I have my old sister Parham, the daughter-in-law of Charles Parham. Everything in the United States that talks in tongues. Besides getting it from the Holy Ghost, you got it from a man named Charles Parham. Parham. Not related to Jeremy, I don't believe. But Topeka, Kansas, 1901, the Spirit fell at midnight, turn of the century, in a Methodist Bible school. And a little lady named Agnes Osmond began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. She spoke Mandarin Chinese. She was stuck for seven days in Chinese. <clears throat> Amazed linguists when the spirit fell and from there it spread to Azusa Street and then we have what we have today the Pentecostal apostolic charismatic anything you want to call it if it talks in tongues it goes back to the Params well his daughter-in-law taught at Christ for the nations and she was the second generation and when she was in her 80s she was talking to me one day and on a Saturday, I said, she said, well, are you preaching tomorrow? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she's a little lady about that tall and in her 80s and hardly had any gray hair. And she didn't color it either. I mean, she just, she looked like she was 60. Amazing. And she looked at me and she had a gruff little voice. She said, kid, you go tell them how the old cow ate the cabbage. <laughs> and I said, Okay, I think, but yeah, yes, ma'am, I will. That means tell them all the details. You just tell them exactly how to do it. And so I've taken that advice too, which makes me a little long-winded. But so 
we'll try to find a, a nice happy balance in there somewhere to, you know, be as succinct as Pastor Eric and not be as long-winded as Pastor Brandon. So we'll, we'll do okay. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord wonderful? Thank you, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. We'll do that. <laughs> 2017. Whew, glory to God. Getting stronger as I get down here. 2017 shall be the year of shaking loose in this ministry and in this church. For the Spirit of God says that I am going to shake what people thought could not be shaken. And what they thought was solid and stable and could not be moved, the Lord says, I will shake it loose. And what people have not wanted to turn loose of, they shall lose their grasp and turn loose. For I am about to cause great expansion to happen in this church, saith the Lord. I'm going to cause things that have been on the back burner and it seemed like somebody blew out the pilot light on the back burner. But the Lord said, I'm bringing it back to the front and I'm turning it up on high. And you're going to see it boil again. And what vision you thought was lost and dead or dying or sick, the Lord says, you, you shall see it revive and shall see it come back into fruition and it shall be even clearer than you've ever seen it before. And the Lord says, I'm going to cause it to be birthed. Yes, for even, oh, wow, even now the child is in the birth canal of this ministry. And that's what the, 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 the movement and the pressure and the pushing has all been about. That baby is trying to get out of that birth canal in the womb of this church. And the Lord says, just keep pushing and keep pushing for a couple of more months now. Just keep pushing because the Lord says, 2017, it's all going to break loose and it's going to be a shaking that will happen. And some may decide that they don't like the shaking and leave. But there are others that will see the shaking and say, that's where I want to be, where things are shaking and moving. And the Lord says, don't worry, for every one that leaves, I'll send you ten. Hallelujah. God is going to build this church and He's going to do it on the Word and on the anointing and on the moving of the Spirit and the manifestation of His gifts for they're going to fall into place like they're supposed to. And everything that's been out of sync and out of kilter in this shaking, they'll find their place and settle into them the, the calling and and into the anointings and into the ministries that I've called them into. And this is going to be a great thing because God is going to set up His house. You won't have to set up His house. You've wanted to set up the house like David wanted to build the house. But God said to David, you're not going to build me a house, I'll build you a house. And so God is going to build this house. And He's going to put the ministries in place. It'll fall into line. It'll fall into line. You won't have to have any stress over it. You won't have to, to labor over it. It's just all going to fall into place because God is shaking it all down till you'll see exactly the vision the way He wants it. And God says, I will bring it to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Where's that drummer? Thank you, Lord. Where is he at? Is he There you are. Come here, sir. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Brandon, you stand behind him, please. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You've been through a season where it's been pruning. And not just that it was hard because God was pruning, but God had required you to do some pruning yourself. 
But the Lord says, I'm bringing you out of that season. And all that pruning that has taken place now, you're going to see the results of it. Because now fruit is going to start to grow. Ooh, you feel that? It's going to start to grow. <laughs> We're not even driving a car. We're hitting bumps. <laughs> Glory to God. Fruit is going to grow where you thought nothing would grow. And you even said, well, Lord, that was a live branch. Why did I have to cut that off? And the Lord says, because we want it to grow taller and expand out. But you're going to see now in this new season that's coming upon you, fruitfulness fruitfulness and some of you you'll see the bloom and the flower in him you'll see the blossom but he's going to start feeling the fruit coming father i thank you for a fruitful season for him in jesus name we loose it into his life hallelujah glory to god thank you lord jesus wow glory to god we didn't do this first service did we glory 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 yes 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 <laughs> Glory to God. Wow. The missionary anointing is upon you. But it's not for now. But it's being cultivated and it's being tenderly nurtured on the inside of you. Because it will come to pass, just not yet. So don't get antsy. Don't get oh, nervous and think, oh God, but I need to do this and I need to do that. Don't do that. You stay right where God has you in this season and let Him work on the roots and let Him work on the plant because He's doing everything on the inside. You may not see it, but it's happening on the inside. Listen, just because you don't see God moving doesn't mean He's not moving. Sometimes He's moving in places you don't see. Amen. And so God is working on the inside of this. And oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. There are churches inside of you. There are ministries inside of you. There are schools inside of you. There, there's even an orphanage inside of you. But God is doing it all on the inside. And just give Him time and let Him bring it to pass. And you'll see it'll all, the doors will just open for you. Just one right after the other. And you'll know when the time is right. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I guess we ought to teach or preach or something, huh? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now somebody said, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't, I hadn't made that mistake. It just keeps coming back to bite me. And just when I, I've, I, I've let it settle, somehow or another it gets brought up again. And I, I've asked God to just give me relief from it. And the Lord says the relief is coming. You keep speaking over your life what God says over your life declaring that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, declaring that you're forgiven, declaring that you're a new creature. And you'll see, if you'll keep saying it, don't fall into the, the snare of the enemy that when that comes up again that you start to nurture it by talking about it. Don't ever talk about it anymore. You let it go and you declare what you are right now in God. You declare where you're going in God and you'll see that that thing will finally be put to rest. They'll bury it deep and bury it in tough ground and you'll never see it come up again. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, 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 glory. Isn't the Lord just wonderful? Yes, 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 yes. Charlie, if you're watching, my friend, we send the word to you in the name of Jesus. We declare healing in your body. We command those symptoms to be arrested in Jesus' name. We command 
the, the headache and the stomach condition. We command you, settle right now in Jesus' name. And we speak healing and send the word to you in Jesus' name. And call you healed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Wow. Thank you, Lord. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, I didn't foresee all this, but we just don't know what's going to happen, do we? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes. There's a lady here. You've been trying to get a new business started. And it seems like walls keep coming up and blocking you every time you start to move. And the Lord says those walls are coming down shortly because you've been faithful, you've been a giver, you've been a sower. And the Lord says start talking to those walls. We'll talk about that here a little today, but start talking to those things. They're coming down and your business will be a success. That's what the Lord says. Hallelujah. Glory to God. James chapter 1 verse 22 But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Well, we don't want to do that, do we? Lots of people do. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. Verse 22 again. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourselves. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing. Boy, it's certainly here. We thank you for utterance. We thank you for ears to hear, hearts to understand. We thank you that your word is a seed, and it shall bring forth thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing. Now James tells us, be doers of the word and not hearers only. So faith comes, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in order to have faith, you must have the word of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. God's word is God's will. You cannot have faith for anything outside of God's will. Just, just get that in your head right now. Mark that down and just understand that. You cannot have faith for anything outside of God's Word. I was having lunch with some people one time, some good Christian people, love God. And they, they go to this one fellow and his mother in particular, kind of a strange family to be honest with you. I'd, I'd never met them before that lunch. I'd preached at the church and went with several people from the church out to lunch. And this, this fellow, he started going on and on and on about these gold teeth services. <laughs> All these people would come to these services and they'd you know, have cavities in their teeth and, and they'd, they were coming in there to get prayed for so they could get gold fillings. Well, I guess God could give you a gold filling if, if he wanted to. I'm not saying he can't. But I told him, I said, but you can't believe for it. He said, oh, yes, I can. I said, no, you can't. You can't believe for it. I said, besides that, you know, I prayed for people that had knee problems. And God gave them a new knee. And not one time did God ever give anybody a titanium knee when I prayed for them. <laughs> he, you know, 
he gave them the original equipment. What is that, OEM, original equipment manufacturer, what they call it. <laughs> That's what you want. I got, you know, got to buy a battery from a phone, and I don't want some generic thing. I get on eBay, and I look, make sure it's got OEM, you know. You want to get the original equipment manufacturer on there. That's what you want. Well, God does it that way. I remember one time I prayed for a fellow that had been in some kind of an accident, and it left, uh, they had to remove part of the skull here on the, the right side of his head, right back here. And when you felt of it, you could feel a soft spot. I mean, it was concave. And we prayed for him, and over the next few days, that thing filled in. And God, God put a, a, gave him a plate in there. Well, he didn't give him a titanium plate. You know, doctors can do that. He, he filled it in with bone material. Gave him, gave him skull in there, gave him bone. And so when you believe in God for filling teeth, if you've got cavities in your teeth, well, well, it just seems natural to me God's going to fill it up with tooth material. Yeah. And no, these, these people having meetings, they're believing God for gold fillings, getting all excited about gold fillings. He said, I'm believing for gold fillings. I said, you, your teeth are going to hurt, buddy. You're not going to get one. Oh, yes, I will. I'm believing. I said, you're not believing. You're not. He said, how do you know? I said, because it's not in the Bible. Not one time in the Bible did anybody ever, God give them a gold tooth filling. <laughs> if you find it in the Bible, then bless God, you can believe God for it. He's no respecter of person. If he gave you know, somebody in the Bible, half Mephinosheth or some, some name like that, you know, gave, gave somebody you know, in the Bible a gold tooth, then you say, God, you're no respecter of person. You gave, you know... Whoever they're a gold tooth, you have to give me a gold tooth and hold God to it. Because His Word is His will. And if it's His will to give somebody in the Bible a gold tooth, it's His will to give you a gold tooth, or at least a filling. Well, you go in some parts of the hood, people believe in God for all kinds of gold teeth. You look around there. <laughs> I went to one town in Central America, and I, I think every woman in that town had all her teeth in the front were all gold. I said, Lord, have mercy. Can't preach with a glare coming at you, you know, those gold teeth. Y'all don't smile, don't say anything funny in that church because the glare will just. <laughs> well, he didn't like that. Well, I guess not. See, people don't like, religion messes people up. They, they don't like this kind of stuff. God's word is God's will. Faith comes by hearing his word, by hearing his will. If you want faith, you have to have God's will. The Bible tells us people ask for stuff and don't get what they ask for because they ask amiss. In other words, they missed it. What they miss? They missed God's will. They missed His Word. And they don't get anything because they can't have faith. If John tells us, if I know that I'm asking according to God's will and I know that He hears me because I'm asking according to His will, then I can expect to receive whatever I've asked for because I'm operating in faith. Yeah, that's right. It's like the old boy says, Brother Daniel, believe with me that that woman in the choir will be my wife. I looked over there and she's got a wedding ring on. I said, is she married? Yeah, she's married. I said, well, you're not going to get her. <laughs> Besides that, she's pretty and you're ugly. She's not going to pay attention <laughs> to you anyway. One, this, honest to God truth, one fellow not too long ago came up to me in church. I mean, he looked like he, 
Now, now, he, now, mind you, he had little money, so he wasn't just, you know, poor, you know. And he came in there dressed like he'd been climbing through dumpsters, had a beard. I mean, if you wear a beard, at, at least trim that thing <laughs> and, and, and make it, don't, don't make it look like the squirrels have been playing trapeze artist on it, you know. And uh, I better stay over here. And this fellow, and, and breath, oh God, Brother Daniel, oh Lord Jesus. I mean, I felt every hair in my nose just singe and curl right up, you know, breath. I'm like, oh brother, I'm, I started praying in tongues, tick tack, tick tack, tick tack, tick tack. Tick, <laughs> just, I mean, and he's crying. <laughs> My wife left me. I thought, I don't doubt it. <laughs> Been married to him for 20-something years. Then she found out her old boyfriend got divorced and moved back to town. She dumped him, went back to the old boyfriend. I want you to pray God make her come home. I said, I can't pray God to do that. Oh, God can do it. I said, no, he can't. He's not going to usurp her will. If she doesn't want to be with you, then he's not going to make her do anything. You can pray God give her wisdom, open her eyes, to make the wise decision. I didn't want to tell him. I thought she already had. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds terrible. <laughs> I'm having a Pat Robertson moment here. I'm just <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> anyway. But I mean, I, I thought, is this how you always dressed? I asked him, is this how you dress? Yeah, all the time. Is this how you look all the time? And he smelled. I mean, do you use deodorant? No, once in a while. What's once in a while? I don't know. Do you brush your teeth? Sometimes. You've got green moss hanging off him. If God wanted to give him a gold tooth, it'd fall off with all that green moss hanging off his teeth. <laughs> he doesn't know what the will of God is. I told early service, I think Christians today, for the most part, I wish I didn't have to say for the most part, but you know, when you read, you know, especially when there's been times when people are really vocal on social media and that sort of thing, and they, and they write everything they're thinking in, in social media, you shouldn't do that, because someday somebody might say, you remember you said, you know, and you can change your mind once in a while, but people write stuff in there, you know, stuff, the crazy stuff they believe that, you know, God's going to control everything and the whole world is, you know, God's in charge of it all. And if he is, it's a mess. And God screwed up bad, didn't he? You know, made that woman cut her baby's arms off and kill her and made that man rape that woman and, you know, cause, cause those terrorists to fly into the World Trade Centers and kill all people. If God's in total control, then he did all that. Well, I, you know, well, she's a little bit in control. Well, listen, he's either in control or he's not in control. You see these people with these, what do you call them, uh, drones? And you got the little four propellers on them. You can put cameras on them now. Boy, you can get some good shots. Some of these TV shows now, they just use these little drones. And the guy, the drone is up here doing all the work, and the guy down here has the remote. Remote what? Control. control. Everything that little drone does, somebody is controlling it. It doesn't make a move unless it's been controlled. 
Are you listening? And when we say, well, God's in control of everything, then every move on this planet that's made, God would be responsible for it. And every evil that's happened, God would be responsible for it. And the Word of God clearly tells us, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts He any man. So God is not in control. Now, He'll be in control of whatever you give Him control of in your life. God, take control of this. I don't know what to do. You come and take control. I give it to you. I yield myself to you. Take control. He'll come in and take control. Like the brother said earlier, take control of the finances. And we give God control of the finances by getting in line with His Word. You want God to be in control of it? Line up. Line up with what He said. That's the only way to do it. And people are living in this fantasy of how things are supposed to be. And, and well, we're praying this and we're, we're praying that. And then it doesn't happen. And then you, they start making excuses as to, as to why this didn't happen. And boy, I've really seen this. And I don't want to get into politics, but this, this election thing. And we've had prophets and church teachers and people making prophecies. And, you know, and some of them got it right. And I almost wish some of them didn't get it right because it just kind of empowered the other dumb stuff they said. And so these baby Christians that don't know any better, they say, well, they were right about Trump getting elected, so they must be right about this other stuff too. And so that, that you know, you kind of have to take the good with the bad there, I guess. But, you know, they, the stuff they say, and then when it doesn't happen, they start making excuses. They prophesy something and it doesn't really happen. And then they say, well, this is what God was really you know, trying to say. And they start trying to fiddle around here because it's going to knock their income. Hallelujah. All their books that they published. and That this would happen at this date and this and all this stuff. And it doesn't happen. And then they, you have to try to come up with excuses for it. Somebody had prophesied something a few months back. I mean, within a few weeks it fell flat. And I know people work for this ministry. And I said, has anybody over there mentioned that? And they said, not a word. I said, I don't think they are. They know who pays their salary over there. <laughs> Isn't that terrible to have to be so pessimistic in the ministry? But you know, you just... The thing is, you, you have to instruct people. We have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to you. Pastor has a responsibility to you. We've got to tell you the truth. I mean, we can sugarcoat stuff, and you know. And I keep in mind, we're not judging the prophets. That's not what we do. We judge what they say. We judge the word that they say. And sometimes it really needs some judging. <laughs> Amen. But people live in a fantasy world. I, I was reading, I woke up early this morning, and, and the Lord reminded me of Scripture. And here's Matthew again. Look at Matthew 17. I, I want us to look at something here. Am I doing all right, Pastor Eric? I better ask Pastor Heather. Am I doing okay, Pastor? All right. Three. All right. I'll get you out of here in time to go buy wings and get home for the game. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew 17. Start with verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. I've met a few of those. He is a lunatic, sore vexed. That means he's in bad shape. 
For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. Now watch all this. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I suffer with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. The same story is repeated in the ninth chapter of Mark. I want you to pay attention to what Jesus said here. Faithless and perverse generation. Now, the word faith is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S in the Greek, pistis. This word is apistos. In other words, if I tell you I am apolitical, that means I'm not for anybody. Right? If I tell you that, you know, I'm, I'm A anything in our English language. That, that, I'm, that A in front of it means I'm just not of it. Just not cooperating, not participating. You understand that? So, apistos, apistos, means not a faith. Just completely devoid of faith. The King James got it really good here. Faithless, you don't have any faith. Some of them say unbelieving, but it, it's apostles. No faith. This whole generation, he said. What, what is it with this generation that is apostles? They, they have no faith because they're not hearing the word. And then what word they do get and what they are being taught, look what he says, perverse generation. That's another interesting word. Look here. Diastrepho. It means to distort, to turn aside, to corrupt, to twist. And people they, in churches, when they're not being taught the Word, then they twist things. And things get distorted. You can't have faith and distortion at the same time. Or perversion. And we're not talking about sexual perversion, but we're talking about just perverted thinking. Convoluted thinking. Not understanding what the Word says. Faith won't work there. Faith has to have the Word of God. The pure, unadulterated Word of God because that's God's will. If you want God to do what you're asking Him to do, it's got to be according to His will. And people are taught these distorted things like God is in control or, or that, you know, oh, you know, we just have to love the sinner and hate their sin. That's not in the Bible either. We, we distort these things. We, we think, you know, uh, it, you go to churches and they, they throw stuff at you. God is angry with a sinner every day. No, He's not. He used to be. But since Jesus came... He's not angry at the sinner anymore. All of his anger at the sinner was poured into Jesus on that cross. All of it. That's why Jesus said, now the judgment of, this, of the world has come. The judgment has come. And in the context of what he's saying, I know we sing the songs, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's not in the original text. He says, the, the the, 
subject of that conversation was the judgment on the, for the world's sin. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all that judgment to myself. All of it. And it was judged on the cross. And after that, God is happy with you. He loves you. He's not mad at you. No matter what you've done, He's not mad at you. I grew up in a religious environment where we, we were afraid to make God mad. It's an awesome thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. You better read that in context. It's not talking about right now. We come to church and feel condemned. Oh, afraid to take communion. I might die on the way home. How old, how old are you? Seven. You think I'm joking, but we were afraid as kids to take communion. My mama was afraid for me to take it. I said, I hadn't been that bad. Don't take it because you don't want to take it in an unworthy manner. You take it. I'm seven years old. What's an unworthy manner? (laughs) Take the communion now. I mean, you're a kid. (laughs) Religion, it twists and distorts. Messes up things. Because if you're not seeing it clearly, how do you know what to go for? What do you know what to reach for, to strive for, to work toward? You're working for something that's distorted. And churches are full of it. All over this town today, all over the Metroplex. Thank God not all of them, but a whole lot of them. They're being taught things that just are not so. I mean, I was at a funeral yesterday of another friend of mine. His mother's in the hospice now. We're getting ready for another funeral. Close friends of mine, older ladies, ready to meet the Lord, thank God. And, but I've been around funerals, especially when young people die. And preachers get up and and bless their hearts. And most of it's just that they just don't know what to say. Well, you never know what God's going to do. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I don't know how they get their voices like that. I, Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know. And it sounds so religious. Ooh, you just, I mean, it just makes your hands come together like that. You just, when you hear people talk like that. And I, I was invited to preach at one church one time. And the young man that invited me. He was taking over the church from his father, Church of God in Christ, and I've got lots of good friends in the Church of God in Christ. And we talk together, we talk like this, normal. And I got to his church, and I'm ready to preach, and we're talking normal. Service started, and he got up in the pulpit. His whole demeanor changed. I mean, his posture, everything. As soon as he stepped up there, Welcome to the house of the Lord. And I'm in, and it just went downhill from there. <laughs> and I thought, who is this man? Yeah. Who is this man? Religion twists and distorts. And we want to know the will of God. And here's the problem. Jesus said, this man had a boy that had a demon in him. And from, from what we read in Mark 9, the, the boy was deaf and mute, could not hear, could not speak. <clears throat> and when the spirit causing 
this physical infirmity would manifest. This child would throw himself in fire or throw to try to kill him or would throw himself in water to try to drown him. And it, it was a life-threatening situation. And I've dealt with some of these kinds of things. And, and they, they put them in, in uh, institutions. And boy, we had an elder in our church and he went up to the the psych ward in John Peter Smith Hospital in Fort Worth one day. And when, when that elevator opens, uh, it opens right in front of the nurse's station. And then the wing, at least the old one did, the hallway would go off in two directions. And that's where they'd have those padded rooms up there. And, you know, all the walls are padded and just have a little window in the door where they could see and hear what was going on. And people in there in straight jackets. This man, old man, he's in heaven now. Jack Buckner, B-U-C-K-N-E-R, Buckner. He was a great old guy. Prayed all the time. Had a wonderful influence in my life when I was a kid. And he went up to pray for one person. And he was in that elevator, and when that elevator door opened, they began to scream up and down both ends of that hallway, because Jack cast out a lot of devils. I mean, devils knew him. And way down at both ends of the hallway, they began to call, Jack Buckner, what are you doing here? We don't want you up here. And begin to curse at him and say all kinds of things. And those nurses, boy, it unnerved them. And they walked in and they said, who are you? Say, I'm Jack Buckner. And they're like, oh, God. that's Because they're calling his name. up. I mean, not one or two, but several up and down both ends. Those demons, you know, if you get in the spirit and you battle the devil and you cast him out a few times, he'll find out who you are. And he'll start, try to stay away from you. <laughs> they, they didn't like Jesus. Whoa, what are you doing here? You come to torment us before our time? Just shut up and come out. And so these, this kid was brought to the disciples. They watched Jesus do it. They've been to school. They're about to get their diplomas in just a few months. He's going to die and get resurrected, and they graduate with an apostolic diploma. You understand that? And so they watched him do it, and they bring this guy, and they cannot do it. They are ineffective. Oh, God help us, Pastor. Ineffective. And, and that, that is such an indictment against the church. Ineffectiveness. Ineffectiveness. That people come to church for help and they're demon-possessed and instead of helping them, we have to call the police and the ambulance comes and, and hauls them off. I had that happen one time. I had so many people to pray for. Hundreds of people in this little girl just flipped out. And you, you can't, because I knew the devil was trying to distract me from, from these people that needed healing. And so the pastor said, we'll take care of it. Well, they took care of it all right. I mean, the search was over there. They're loading her up in an ambulance, taking her. I thought, oh, man. And to do like, I was in one church. It's this church, several hundred people there, and there were three white people in this church. Everybody else was African-American. And me and two people, I didn't know who they were. They just happened to show up that day. And so I'm praying for these people. I mean, I prayed for the whole church, really. We were praying over something specific. And I'm praying for the whole church. And it took some time. It was one of those late services. And everybody was getting blessed. And I got to the white woman, touched her. Wah! She hit the floor. I went, great. And I touched her husband. Wah! And he hit the floor. And they're laying there. Ugh! And I got the foam coming out of their mouth, you know, and they're doing the whole exorcist routine, you know, except for turning their head all the way around. I didn't do that. And so, big African-American woman with a silver streak. 
that big woman, like Medea. I mean, she walked up to me and she patted me on the shoulder. She said, you keep praying, baby, I got this. I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> she motioned for a couple other big women and they scooped up the white folks and took them back to the prayer room. And I'm praying for people, and all of a sudden I hear, Mama, in the name of Jesus, come out! And they did. No ambulance. And I saw those people afterwards, and they were smiling ear to ear. God set them free. Hallelujah. That's how you do it. See, she, she's not ineffective. <laughs> and Jesus said, you... Apistos, you faithless and perverse, twisted and distorted generation. How long do I have to be with you? Man, he's been teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. And it's still got it twisted up. Because that's what religion does. Twist it up. You can, people, they, they had great experiences in the Bible. Peter, James and John, they go with Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's transformed before their eyes. He's now just glistening white and light coming off of him. And there stands Moses and Elijah. And he, I mean, it's all going on here. And, and Peter wants to build three tabernacles because he wants everybody to be happy and, and all this stuff. And, and he's so stuck in religious thinking with law and prophets and God speaks from heaven. I mean, you got Moses standing here. And you got Elijah standing here. And God says, that's my son. Listen to him. Not them. Him. That's a paradigm shift for Peter. Oh. And they, you know, no wonder they all fell down. I mean, it's not just under the power. It's just, you, he just rocked his world. My whole generations and generations of my family have. It's been Moses and Elijah. It's been the law and the prophets. And you're telling me now it's not about them. It's only about Him. Because these guys, as good as they were, will twist you up. And will distort. Because when, they, when that old covenant of law comes into contact with grace... When it tries to interact with grace, all you get is a twisted mess that makes no sense. And people pray, and they don't get their prayers answered. And then they wonder what happened, and why didn't God listen to me? I don't understand. Why didn't He listen? Because, apistos, you didn't get the real word, so faith couldn't come. You're trying to believe for gold tooth fillings when God just wants to give you whole teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. And he says we've got to be doers of the word. Paul says we have the same spirit of faith over in Corinthians. We have the same spirit of faith as all these Old Testament saints. And they believed and they spoke. And so we also believe, therefore, we speak. Since it's the same spirit of faith, we have to activate it the same way. We believe, therefore we speak. To be a doer of the word, you've got to say it. 
You've got to say it. It's very simple. But you've got to say it. You've got to release it by saying it. Jesus told us, Mark eleven twenty three. Whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things that he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Saying. Brother Hagin used to tell us, faith will work by saying it without praying it. But if you pray it, you've still got to say it. I'll tell you again. Faith will work by saying it without praying it. But if you pray it, you've still got to say it. It's so important. You've got to say it. I was telling the early church, you know, I learned this from Brother Hagin, how that, and I put it to work in my own life when I heard him teaching it years and years ago. And, and I would say at least 80%, maybe more, in my own life, in, in operating in faith in my own life, that 80% of the time I don't pray about it. Now, I know that sounds sacrilegious to some people. You know, they, they think you've got to pray four, five, six hours a day. Well, if it takes you that long to get through, then, you know, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but if it takes you that long. But, you know, as, as we get in the Word, it shouldn't take that long. You know, these people, they say, oh, those old saints, they prayed eight or ten hours a day. Yeah, but they had some really strange ideas about stuff, too. <laughs> And they had to, you know, they were so busy being worried about how they were dressed that they had to pray. It took them hours to pray through all that before they, you know, finally some would have to get into a kind of a state of ecstasy, you know, before they felt like the Spirit was really doing anything. They don't understand, some of the old ones still, that if you've been filled with the Spirit, that speaking with other tongues should just come out of you naturally. It should just be a natural thing. And it shouldn't take you forever to... To, to break through. Now, sometimes God has us in prayer for seasons, sometimes long periods of time. But that, there's other things involved there. It shouldn't take all that long to break through your will and your ideas and stuff to get over into the will of God. Amen. Brother Hagin told us one time that he was believing God because his family was struggling financially and everything, and he. He got the scripture out and read it to God. He said, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. He said, well, God, I'm here. I've got to fuss with you because I'm, I'm willing and obedient. He said, but I'm not eating the good of the land. And God spoke to him and said, yeah, you're obedient, all right, but you're not really willing. And he said, don't tell me it takes a long time to get willing. He said, I made a couple of adjustments down on the inside of my heart. He said, I got willing real fast. And he said, just a few minutes, got it all straight. He said, all right, God, I'm willing. God said, yeah, you are. And told him how to do it. It had to do with saying it. He said, don't pray, don't ask me about money anymore. He said, you, you, you call it, you tell it. He said, you just claim whatever amount you need. You need $5,000, Lord, I claim that $5,000. I believe I receive it. It's mine, I take it. And then he said, command the devil to take his hands off of it. Satan, in the name of Jesus, take your hands off of my $5,000. And now call, tell the angels, go and cause it to come. They're ministering spirits sent forth to minister for you. Not to you, for you. Mm -hmm. 
go and cause it to come. And from that moment till the time it was in his hand, he said, if anybody asks anybody, he just say, it's coming. It's coming. When are you going to get it? Soon. It's coming. Saying it. Saying it. It works in money. It works in, in healing. I told the early service, <laughs> relatives will call you. Or people will call you and say, oh, you know, pray for little Bobby. He's got a high fever. And he says, well, in Jesus' name, that fever will leave and Bobby will be fine. And they say, all right, pray. I said, I'm not going to pray. Why? Because I just said it. You mean you're really not going to pray? No. Boy, it upsets people. I had a relative the other day on Facebook. Oh, Facebook. I'm going to have to get off of Facebook. See, all these international pastors, they, they talk to me through Facebook. You know, they message me and all this stuff. So I keep th saying I'm, I'm just going to unfriend everybody in the United States. <laughs> well, <laughs> my life would be less stressful if I did. And so... Somebody sent me a message, and they were drunk when they sent his family member. Drunk when they, I could tell by the, by the way he was talking, drunk. Because he never talks to me. Close family member. Why don't you pray for a friend of mine? I said, all right. What are we praying about? Well, I'm not going to tell you, don't you have blind faith? I said, no. My faith's not blind. I said, I need to know what we're praying about. Why? I said, because if we're going to pray, we've got to pray in faith. And if I'm going to pray in faith, I've got to know if it's God's will or not. Right? You know what he responded? You're not a man of God. You're a false prophet. P-R-O-F-I-T. <laughs> You know what I said? And you're an idiot. <gasps> you called me an idiot. I said, you called me a false prophet. P-R-O-F-I-T. He said, well, you're not a man of God. I said, well, one thing is for sure, though, you're blocked. <laughs> Putting up with that mess. Got better things to do. He said, well, you're being rough. I said, yeah, you better believe him. I don't play church. I, I don't. I don't like it. We did when we were kids. We'd play church. I was always a preacher, you know. My sister and my cousin, they were ladies in the church that we had beehives in our church. And laid, you know. So my sister and my cousin, they'd get a towel and wrap it around their head. <laughs> so they had a beehive, you know, because Sister Watkins, that was our biggest prayer warrior, my darling friend, went to heaven a couple of years ago. She was the biggest prayer warrior in the church, but she had a big red, she'd redhead, a big red beehive. She was a woman of God, though, but she was impressive. So the girls were impressed with her. They should have been. But they wanted to be like, so they'd wrap their towel up and create a beehive. And I'd lay hands on them. And they'd do the Pentecostal jerk. Woo! You know, and throw that thing down, you know. <laughs> we did. Playing church. I don't play church now. When I was a child, I did those things. When I became a man, I put away childish things. I don't play church. I'm not looking for beehives to knock down and all that kind of stuff. I'm not doing that. 
I want to help you. If we can't help you, we shouldn't be doing this at all. We're here to help people. To help them get closer to God. To help them receive Help you receive everything that God has for you. That's what the ministry should be about. Why apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? For the maturing or perfecting of the saints. We've got to mature you, to perfect you. To bring you out of childhood into maturity. So that you can step into your calling and go do the same thing with others. That's what it's all about. And and, and this playing church stuff, that, that doesn't work for me anymore. I don't play church. Hallelujah. Boy, it's awful quiet in here. Maybe I should just preach. Huh? Are you under conviction yet, Brandon? Are you? Since you walked in, you should be. And you know why he's under conviction? Because his wife told him he's under conviction. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say it. My cousin... Big girl. You like this story, don't you? <laughs> She's big mama. I say big mama. She's big mama. She backs up my mind. Beep, beep. No, I've got to leave it alone. <laughs> She's big. Great big, great big girl. And it's not any kind of a disease did it to her. She got it the honest way. She ate it on there. She's a good cook. I was up at Henry Hinn's house, Benny Hinn's brother up in Canada, where he pastors one time. He's ministering up there, and Henry's wife is a chef. Oh my gosh, this woman is an amazing cook. She said, do you know how to make cornbread, southern cornbread? I said, I do. I said, I don't remember the recipe off the top of my head. I said, let me call my cousin, because she can cook, <laughs> obviously. I called her up, and I said, give me your best cornbread recipe. I said, I said, I'm in the hen house. She's like, really? I said, yeah. I said, they want cornbread. Said, Give me your best recipe. She said, all right, we're going to put in three sticks of butter and four eggs or five eggs and then some other lard or something. I'm like, I said, my gosh. I said, I want cornbread, not cholesterol pie. I mean, I mean good grief. She said, well, you said you wanted the best recipe. I said, oh, just give it to me and I'll, I'll pray over it and <laughs> right, rightly divide it, you know. And, and dead, cut it to one stick of butter is fine, you know. And so, got it all done, but she's big. And she was in a car accident. Her husband was killed in the accident. And because of her size, now, now her husband actually had a heart attack and died driving the car. And so, since a corpse cannot pilot a car, it just ran off the road. And I mean, just, just right out here in, in Mansfield. And just end over end off of 287 out there. End of boom, 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 boom. Car flipped over. Well, she's too big to wear a seatbelt. But she's also too big to fit through the windshield. She just couldn't get past the dash in her seat to get out that windshield. And they said that's what saved her life. Because if she had gotten any even a little bit out of that windshield because it, it, her face did hit it and just blew it out when her face hit it so hard. Blew her face, hit her face and blew out the whole windshield. <clears throat> and they said if she had gotten out, then the way the car was flipping, it would have just crushed her, maybe cut her in half, maybe, just, just the way it was flipping. But as it was, she was in bad shape. 
two broken hips, a broken pelvis, leg fractures, ribs, I mean, all kinds of internal stuff. And her, her face was swollen up about that big around. I mean, just huge, swollen up. And they said that the impact had knocked nearly every tooth, I mean, all but one or two, all the teeth out. But her face was so swollen, everything was, in fact, she couldn't even open her eyes. I couldn't even see her eyelashes, or it was just, all of this was just swollen together. And her lips, I mean, everything was just horrible. <clears throat> and so, all these teeth, and, and they called me, and I rushed up to the hospital. And it was just praying in the spirit on the way up there. And I got in the room, and all the families in there, and oh, God. I mean, and King James said so they were in there tumulting, you know. <laughs> they were just, I mean, oh, God, why did this happen? And, you know, he's dead, and she's dying. And, I mean, they're just saying all kinds of stupid stuff over it. Oh, why did God let this happen? Always got to blame God. After all, he's in control. They had her x-rays of her head on that screen, lighted screen on the wall. When I walked in, I looked over at it, and, you know, if, if most of us in here, there might be somebody that's a little bit off, but <laughs> most people, if you look at an x-ray of their front of their face, they got teeth going down and teeth going up. And on hers, you had teeth going every which direction. I mean, they were all over the place. And they couldn't get the teeth out, even though they were knocked out, because they were, they were Im impacted and embedded up into that swelling, that swollen tissue. And so they couldn't get the teeth out of her until all the swelling went down because it was, it was so swollen. They couldn't even open her mouth. I mean, they barely had the tube and they put, had to go through the throat and all this stuff. And so I walked over to her in that bed and I don't know why I said it this way except it came up out of the Spirit. But I laid hands on that swollen face and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command this body to heal at a furious rate of speed. And that's all I said. And I knew it was done. Well, I knew it was done. And they said that it might be a year before she gets out of that hospital. And it would be a lot longer than that if she ever walked again. If. That was six or so in the evening. By seven the next morning, the, swollen, the swelling had gone down and every tooth was in its place. Glory to God. And in seven weeks, they wheeled her chair out to the front door of that hospital and locked those wheels. You know, they have to do it that way for insurance purposes. And she, and she got, had to get a little help because she's still weak. But she stood up out of that chair and she walked over and got in her daddy's car and they drove her home. Glory to God. Said it. Didn't pray it. Said it. Just said it. <laughs> Some of you, your whole world would, would straighten up and line up and get back in order if you'd start saying the right things. Everything you're living now, everything you're going through right now is the direct result of what you said yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. Well, my family gets the flu this time every year. Huh, huh, huh. I think it's so funny. Really? Yeah. And, and your spirit's going, well, we get the flu? 
And faith says, I guess so. That's what he says. So as soon as the weather changes, everybody's got the flu. Everybody in our family always had diabetes. I guess I'll have it too. So they go to the doctor. The doctor says, you're diabetic. What? Well, I can't believe it. Well, you've been saying it for years. <laughs> and they come to church. Pastor, doctor told me I've got diabetes. Well, what you been saying? I've got diabetes. Everybody always gets it in our family. Doctors want to know, what's your family history? I don't know. How come? Mine started at the cross. Amen. You know, we just think things have to be the way they are sometimes. And, and they really don't. I, I talk about Brother Hagin a lot. I, I had dinner with Ken Hagin Jr. and his wife not too long ago. And we were just laughing about some of the stuff, you know, because growing up in Brother Hagin's house, I mean, they just, all kinds of things happened. Ken, Pastor Ken Jr., he had the mumps when he was a kid for 45 minutes. Mumps for 45 minutes. Jaws swollen out. They'd be out for two or three weeks back in, especially in the 40s when he was born and grew up. You know, they send him home, highly infectious. Sent him home with these goose eggs on the sides of his jaws. Had the mumps. Brother Hagin spoke to the mumps. They left him in 45 minutes, sent him back to school the next day. Shoo. Healed. We don't have to be like the world. We don't have to follow their pattern. We don't have to play by their rules. We're in the world, but we're not of it. We're of, we don't have to obey the, the laws of a fallen nature that the rest of the world has to follow because we get to follow the law of faith. And it's a higher law. It's a higher way of living. We can walk by faith and not by sight. The world doesn't do that. They walk by sight hoping to have faith. We don't do that. We can walk by faith. We can speak to these circumstances. Speak to mountains. That's what Jesus was talking about in the 11th chapter of Mark. Speaking to the mountain. He had talked to that fig tree the day before. He came by hoping to have some, some figs on it. He was hungry. And it didn't have any. And he spoke to it. And he said, no man eat fruit from you anymore. And the disciples heard it. And they're all, they're all Pentecostal, you understand. They're thinking, hmm, <laughs> Jesus has been out in the sun a little too long. He's talking to that tree, you know. John and Peter over there. Peter, did you hear what he said? Yeah. What did he, he tell that fig tree nobody's going to eat anything anymore? What do you think, Peter? Hmm. I think we're going to be going fishing sooner than we thought. He's starting to crack. And the next morning they walked by and it was shriveled up from the root and now Peter's having a brush arbor spell. He's, you know, he's all excited. That's what Pentecostal folks do. They, they see something, they get excited. I had to talk to a group of elders in the Pentecostal church. Old men, you feel, some of them I've known since I was a child and you, you, don't want to, you don't want to rebuke an elder but you have to get some things straightened out because people come forward for prayer and 
in some of the old Pentecostal churches, when they come forward for prayer, you pray and pray and pray until somebody starts feeling something. The person needing prayer may not feel anything, but the elders will pray until they feel it. And whoo, 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 you know, they're shouting and jerking and all this stuff. And they're praying until somebody feels something. And I said, that's not your job. You're praying until you get some kind of a manifestation, which might not be a manifestation at all. You might just feel good. Praise the Lord. We pray the prayer of faith. We speak to the sickness. We speak to that infirmity, whatever it may be. We command it to leave in Jesus' name. And the person that came for faith, their, their attitude should be, it's mine, I take it right now. And it shouldn't take a long time to do. Just pray the prayer of faith and that's it. But when you do that, in some churches, you know, then on your way back to your seat, somebody reach out and stop you and say, how you feel? Well, not any different. Well, you don't look any different either. <laughs> you think you got anything? Well, I hope so. Well, they didn't. And so we've got to straighten some things out. We say it. And when we say it, power happens. Faith and the power of God work together and it'll move a mountain. Move that tree. Move that disease. James tells us, when you look at these ships on the water, and you look and you see big, big ships, these cruise ships and these aircraft carriers, and it's huge monstrosity. I saw the other day where three more big cruise ships were, were christened, and they're going to be servicing the, the high seas now. Great big thing. You know, 14, 15 stories tall out of the water. I mean, big, massive ships. Great big engines in these ships. I mean, they take up whole decks in the back of that ship, these huge engines. And at the back of that ship, very small rudders, very small rudders. And that ship could be going straight south, down the Pacific, down the coast of Mexico. And they get a call in from the weather service saying there's a hurricane out there. Turn that thing around and head back to San Diego. And so they, they set those directions on that electronic compass. And that's it. And those rudders, they move. But nothing's happened. How do you feel? That doesn't make any difference. You don't look any better. That doesn't make any difference. You sure you got anything? That doesn't make any difference. The rudder has been set. Set the rudder and just keep it set. Don't move it. Once you set it, don't move it. And after a little while, that ship, you'll see it on that compass, begin to turn, turn, turn. And after a few minutes, maybe even an hour, it's a big ship. It's turned and now it's going the opposite direction. James said, even so your tongue, your tongue, is like the rudder on that ship. And then get what he says here. It can turn your body. Yeah. Your body. Well, that's odd for him to say that. Your tongue can turn your body. That means if your body is sick, depending on how you set your tongue, like the rudder on a ship, you can turn the course. If you're heading down sickness and early death, you can change that course, turn it back around, 
and get yourself heading in the course of health and long life. If you're heading into the poorhouse and you can't pay your bills, set the rudder of your tongue. Begin to call that money in. Tell it to come. Keep it set. Don't move it. Just keep it set on course. You know, they used to have that, that little oven on TV that Ronco, you know, those commercials of Ronco, and they had that rotisserie oven. And the, their big selling picture was, you know, you take the chicken and you put the skewers in it, and you set it inside there, and you baste it and do whatever you're going to do to it. And then you close the lid. And then he would say, set it and forget it. Yeah. That was their selling. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And, you know, Ronco, he's the guy that would spray hair on his head. Remember? Yeah. And so... <clears throat> Set it, your tongue. Set it, forget it. Don't change it. If you're talking health and healing, don't let anybody pull you into a conversation of sickness and death. Set it and keep it there. James said it will turn your whole body. Your whole body. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would you play for me, please? Thank you, Lord. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory and honor. And there are some here that you've had pain in your body. And you need that prayer of faith, that word of faith spoken over you this morning. That will release you from disease and infirmity that has attacked your body. Let's all stand together, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're here and you've been battling sickness, pain in your body, I want you to come right down here to the front right now. Just, just walk out of your seat. Come right down here with me. Nobody's going to criticize you about it. We might criticize Nathan, but we won't criticize anybody else. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that healing belongs to us. Now, in the name of Jesus, the head of the church, I lay my hands upon him to effect the healing and the cure, that he would receive what belongs to him. In Jesus' name, I thank you that he's healed from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You take it? Yes, I do. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we lay hands upon her. Oh, yes, yes, yes. There's that healing anointing right there. Get a couple of you guys to come down here with me and help me, please. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes. Healed. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Lord. Healed from the top of your head. There it is. Now that's the anointing right there. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that's all changing for you. It's all changing for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want, to, I want to do a little mini teaching real quick right here. My brother is up here with oil, and let me explain something. Oil is symbolic of the anointing. 
enough. I'm just simply praying the prayer of faith that many times we use the oil because it's symbolic of, of the, the presence of God. But right now, there is a tangible manifestation of the healing anointing. I, I know because my hands are like they're on fire. They're burning. And so when you have the tangible, you don't have to go with the symbolic. Does that make sense? So when we're just praying by faith, which I thought we were going to do for a moment, but the anointing manifested. So you were right in doing what you did, but then the anointing manifested. That's it right there. And you feel that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's healing you. Wow. Yeah. Just let it all go. <laughs> You'll never be the same after today, I guarantee you that. Glory. Come here, Heather. Put your hand right on her belly. Right on her belly. Infirmity in the name of Jesus. Leave her body now. Set her free from it right now. You'll never touch her again. that's been surrounding you the Lord is speaking to that storm and it will come under arrest and the chaos will diminish it is brought under arrest in the home in the environment around wherever you go those chaotic spirits that have followed you and, and tried to, to push you down and oppress against you trying to keep you in a place of defeat that ends right now right now it ends and you are going to be a conduit and a carrier of the peace of God that passes everybody's understanding including your own and when you used to walk into a room and all this chaos would be going on when you walk in now you'll see a difference peace will arrest the place God is Pouring his peace on you. And you're going to start sleeping better too. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to sleep in peace. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Peace. God's giving her a miracle right now. There's a lot of stuff going on. That dark cloud that you felt was over you and followed you, that's gone. That, that, that blew away several minutes ago. It's not coming back. Not coming back. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yes. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet.
nothing to be concerned about. That's what the Spirit's saying. Nothing to be concerned about. Oh, it's going to be easy. Don't listen to the negative Nellies. I would have said Neds, but they're all Nellies in this case. <laughs> the peace of God. Oh, what a peaceful time. this yoke destroys it huh. from the top of his head to the soles of his feet we declare this body healed and command it we set the rudder here and the course is optimal health see them as clear as midday <laughs> as clear as midday all the answers you'll know it you'll know it thank you Lord thank you Lord praise God got pretty big angels down here right here thank you Lord praise God Lift your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. The ones that they said were not reachable, you'll reach them. The ones that some said were untouchable, you'll touch them. And like Jesus, the ones that they said were unclean, you'll touch them. But your contact will make them clean. Lord is giving you an anointing that will cleanse the unclean. Your words, your ministry to them is going to have such a life-changing impact. You're going, I, I see people that are just filthy. And just by coming into contact with you, the dirt and the debris and, and the filth just falls off of them. God is sending you a special gift, a special anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Brandon, you're a man of wisdom. God has equipped you with wisdom beyond your years and beyond most of your peers. In the season you're stepping into now, God's going to stir this to an even greater capacity. There's stuff on, in the inside of you that, that's just settled to the bottom. You still don't know what's there, and God's going to stir it all up. 
find out there's giftings in you that you didn't know were there. There's miracle anointings in you that you didn't know were there. And they're going to manifest not just when you pray for them, but as you speak the word, the lights will come on like Paul and that man. And he said, arise and be healed because he saw it, that he had faith to be healed. As you teach and preach, boy, I feel the anointing here, that the wisdom that's going to come out of you will make the word so clear, so clear, that nobody could miss it. And when they hear it, faith will come. And all you have to do is say, that's it, receive it. You've got it right there. And the power of God will back you up. Signs and wonders and miracles will follow the word. And God has gifted you to make the word very clear. And again, God's about to open some other doors for you. There's some international things going to happen. You're going to get invitations. I'm almost jealous because of what I'm seeing right now. Some international things that are going to open up. And people are going to say, where has this guy been? Because it'll be like you just come out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, there you'll be. And they'll say, who is this? When you walk onto the TV sets, and they're there to ask you a couple of questions, and the wisdom of God will arrest the whole place. And not just hundreds or thousands, but even millions that'll watch it and they'll say who is this where did he come from that's been in your heart the dream has been there but how was that ever going to come to pass God says, I've got it all mapped out got it all mapped out it'll happen it'll happen it'll happen hallelujah wow glory to God glory to God assigned to this place are at the ready waiting for the release for the command to go to cause the money to come to cause the people to come to cause things to come people are going to start giving things to this church you're going to wonder what am I going to do with that I don't know why I see a boat a big boat take you fishing I don't first thing I saw was a boat not a rowboat not a heather boat but <laughs> a boat yeah vehicles 
God's going to put somebody, going to put this church and this ministry on somebody's heart, and they're going to want to bless the pastor. And I'm talking wheels. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, I'm drunk. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. If you want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, some fresh anointing, just come down here right now. While, while it, the, the Lord is flowing, if you just need a fresh touch, just a fresh touch. Where, where's, where's the big guy at? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I stole this from Brother Hester, but I'm going to tell you if a fight breaks out in here, I'm on his side. Thank you, Lord. Give her a fresh anointing today. open your mouth and let her fly. Preach and prophesy. Proclaim what's about to happen. See it come to pass in Jesus' name. A fresh anointing in the name of the Lord Jesus. Like fire in their bones. Fire in his bones. soon. Just get ready. The door is about to fling wide open for you. And you'll step right on up into it. And it'll be the easiest thing. There won't be any stress involved. You'll just step into it. <laughs> and the gift needed will be there when you do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And the ex-blind man said, Lord, have mercy. My, my God in heaven. That, son, you're going around the world with the word of faith and power. And demons with loud voice will come out of many as you preach the word. Wow. I don't mean a few, but many, 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 many. 
Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.